Ready to stop trading time for money and build a business that can scale? Then you're in good company. This is the Productize Podcast, where I chat with entrepreneurs who've transformed their businesses using the Productize service model. I'm your host, Brian Castle. Want to learn my best strategies for productizing your business? Then get my free crash course by going to productizecourse.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, welcome to the Productize Podcast. In this conversation that you're going to hear today, I talked with Nick DeSabato to talk about his Draft Revise service. It's a done-for-you A-B testing and conversion optimization service. This conversation happened uh, in late 2014, so um, the ser- his Draft Revise service had been around for, I think it was about a year or so. Um, uh, but, you know, he's going to kind of take us back to to the story of how he launched it, how he got his first paying customers. And really, you know, Nick... Nick's service, Draft Revised, was one of the very first uh, productized service offerings out there that started to really gain um, recognition and, and helped move forward this whole idea of productized services in the first place. So it's, it was really interesting to, uh, to talk to Nick and get his thoughts on everything. Now, this case study in particular is interesting because Nick intentionally designed his service to run lean and mean without requiring him to hire a big staff, which is something that you know, you often associate with productized services is that, you know, you have to, to hire a team and, consist, and continuously grow your team. But in Nick's case with Draft Revise, he's been able to really keep his business focused on, on just himself. And it allows him to, to do the type of work that he really enjoys doing, you know, conversion optimization um, and, uh, and, and, you know, website, conversion-based website design and that kind of stuff. So you definitely don't want to miss this one. Now, today's quick tip when it comes to productized services is recurring revenue versus a one-time fee. Now, the tip here is to give e- both of these kind of equal weight or equal consideration because it is so easy to, um, to, to go after that recurring revenue. Everybody wants the recurring revenue model. And I mean, for good reason. There, there's a lot of value there. It's really, really powerful. Obviously, with a re- recurring revenue model or service, um, you, you benefit from... Uh, the ongoing and growing revenue, assuming that you're you're signing up more customers than are canceling or, or churning out, um, you know that's that's the benefit of a recurring revenue service. But that that can also be even more difficult to come up with an idea or a value proposition that has a long term ongoing um, uh, value for the customer or for the business that you're selling to um, without a, a definite end in sight. And so that's the challenge with a recurring revenue service. It's really difficult to nail down that ongoing value proposition. It's certainly not impossible. Plenty of businesses do do build on top of the recurring revenue model, um, but you know it's it's a it's a tough nut to crack. Now, a one-time service fee, on on the other hand, you know should not be completely discounted just because it doesn't have the recurring revenue aspect. You know, you can charge much higher because because it is a one-time fee. You can kind of capture a lot of that lifetime value all up front rather than, you know, have to service a client and, and, and keep them on board month after month after month. Um, in many cases, as you hear from many of the case studies throughout this this season of the Productize podcast, you know, a one-time fee service is actually better for a particular situation. For example, if you're just leveraging a Productize service to to kind of, you know, sustain some larger business business goals, you can then turn off or turn on a one-time fee service. 
you know, the other benefit of a one-time fee is that you can always upsell those clients into a recurring revenue model, you know, after they've purchased the one-time fee, because obviously a customer who has bought something once from you is highly likely to buy something from you again. So that's today's tip is to, you know, give equal consideration to recurring revenue versus one-time fee. Now let's get into the conversation. So I'm here with uh, Nick DeSabato. Nick, thanks for joining me today. Thank you having, uh, so much for having me here today. Cool. So, um, you know, I, again, I've just been really uh, impressed with everything that you've been doing, especially with your productized service, uh, Draft Revise. And you kind of have a, a line of, uh, you know, a number of different things that you do. So, well, why don't we start there? I mean, how do you answer the question, you know, Nick, what do you do? Um, well, I tell people that I run a small interaction design consultancy and uh, the largest offering of which I make is draft revised, which I call monthly A-B testing service. Um, essentially, I tear down your site at the beginning of an engagement and on a monthly basis, make tests and write up reports for you. People have found it pretty valuable and helpful for them. So, That's awesome. And you know, you, you do a great job of kind of laying out the entire service and what's involved uh, in, in the copy on your landing page. And uh, again, your site is, it, so that service is at a draft.nu? Yeah, so uh, if you go to draft.nu slash revise, that's draft revise. Okay. And uh, then I run um, other stuff. Draft.nu slash revise slash express is revise express, where I do just the teardown. Um, and I write up a big report for you, and it's a one-off engagement. Um, and then I do like one-off interaction design products. I sell a book called Cadence and Slang, which I wrote in 2010 and uh, completely overhauled in 2013, uh, and that's at cadence.cc. So I have a lot of different offerings, and uh, try and uh, you know they're they're varying price points too. So if you like. If you just want to get to know what I'm doing, you can buy my book, uh, and it's not that expensive. If you have no money, if you're in college, you can subscribe to my newsletter for free and all that. So, yeah. That's awesome. And, and yeah, you know, I, I do kind of want to get into how you've evolved even beyond just the Draft Revise and then offered Draft Express and then these other, these other products. So, yeah, I mean, what, I, what I'd like to really start with is just, you know, diving into Draft Revise itself. Like, how does the service work? How does the pricing? How does the delivery work? Uh, mm -hmm. And then we'll kind of rewind a little bit and get your story of what you were doing before and how you, you kind of came about this idea of doing a productized service. Sure, so, sure. Um, so, you know, you, you do uh, kind of analytical A-B testing. I, I think a lot of us in this audience kind of understand what that is, but how do you explain it to clients and, and specifically like what is included in the scope of delivery for, for this packaged service? Yeah, so when you sign up for Draft Revise, you have to apply and you, I put together a little form and then I give you something called a welcome packet and that defines the scope for what I would imagine we'd be doing. And it fits a wide array of businesses um, that I think are at kind of mid to upper growth. Um, they, uh, I, I spec out between two or five tests a month, depending on how high your traffic is. If you want more than that, you can reserve a second slot for me. So, uh, I can, you can pay me double basically, and I can do up to 10 tests a month or whatever have you and put together more comprehensive reports. And a couple of clients have taken me up on that. Um, so I'm trying, you know, right at the beginning to try and limit the scope of what I'm doing. And uh, for other people looking to put together their own services, what I would suggest is like figure out how much you can do in a month for a given client and uh, 
how you want to be spreading that among an array of different clients. With Draft Revise, I have seven clients right now, and I'm very happy with that number. Um, and that is by design, right? If you are running an individual consultancy, you don't want to provide too much, you don't want to get too much of your income from one client because if they decide to part ways with you, you're screwed. So uh, a lot of people see this kind of feast and famine scenario where they're depending on one check. For me, I'm depending on seven checks, and uh, they're of varying sizes. So with the pricing, I used to have pricing on my site, and I took it off. Uh, and part of that was to accommodate a given business. Um, you've heard probably a lot about value-based pricing, where you think about how much the person would potentially get as ROI from engagement, and then you price it out accordingly. So my tiny mom and pop businesses are paying me significantly less money than a sophisticated 30-person consultancy. I'm making the same kinds of changes for them, and I'm doing the same kind of work, but they're getting back different amounts of money from it, right? If I make right. a 2% conversion for a tiny business, it's going to be vastly different. Right. But I like the smaller businesses. They're good people, and they have interesting problems to solve, and I want to work with them, so yeah. I don't want to cut them out. Right. It's an interesting kind of give and take for, for the value on, on both sides, right? I mean, you, you get a certain amount of value of working with the smaller not, uh, mom and pop businesses. Uh, you know, it's, it's more enjoyable. You get kind of a more hands-on approach, right? Um, you know, I, you also said something uh, really interesting there early on in that answer where you said um, a certain type of business fits into this uh, this defined scope, right? I, I think typically what a freelancer would do is they speak to a potential lead, a potential new client, and they try to fit their services around what they need. Whereas what you're offering is a very yeah. well-defined well yeah. set of, of services. It's really kind of one course, it's the A-B testing, and, and a certain type of client fits within what you do, or, or would, a certain type of client would get that kind of value in what you do. Yeah, I mean, if you're like a Fortune 100 company, like I, I would like to work with you if you're good people and you have interesting things to do, but uh, I'm not going to be able to just wing away a welcome packet to you and say, here, I'm going to do five tests a month for you. If you're operating at a certain scale where you're getting one million hits in, well, okay, I usually set up an account on my visual website optimizer. I have a giant agency plan with visual website optimizer, and that supports 300,000 hits a month. Okay, well, that handles all but one of my clients, and that one client pays for their own plan. So I say if you're, you know, if you're, I don't know, Target, say, I, they're not a client of mine, but uh, they get hundreds of millions of hits a month. Um, buy your own Optimizely plan and give me the keys to the car and I will drive it and that will, you know, that'll work out well. Right. Um, and it's interesting how, like, I think so many people who are just getting into building a product or even a productized service, the assumption is like, oh, everything must be completely automated and turnkey and, you know, you, you can have these conversations one-on-one -on -one and just say, you know, uh, Look, you're at the level where you need to have your own account and just you know set mm -hmm. me as a, give me the uh, manager access and that'll be that works works perfectly fine. Um, so the other interesting thing that I heard there was you have a set scope of services like you know deliverables to dos that you actually deliver for every client, but then you can kind of vary them. You you, you said like. You know, some clients do between two and five tests per month, or then you can kind of vary the pricing and increase it up to ten tests per month. So there are there is a little bit of wiggle room within your your service. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing to keep in mind with draft revise is the only thing that is automated in the entire situation, actually there are two things. There's the payment and the testing. And I built only one of those things. I use a automated A-B testing utility to be doing this. Uh, so at the beginning, I mean, I wrote a marketing page and it was toothpicks and twine, man. It was just very slapdash. And I am writing reports manually. I am deciding what to test manually. I am executing on those tests manually. Everything that I do is the long, hard, stupid way. And you can automate parts of this. Um, like if you have an automatic like PDF creation utility, you can deal with the busy work that way. Um, and there, there are probably ways that you can do it, but if it's productized consulting, it's still consulting and you're doing things like a consultancy would by building deliverables and by executing on strategy and by creating that strategy. And that is by definition, a manual mentally demanding process. Yep. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely something that I would recommend. Like, don't think that you can just build a SaaS business and make it look like it's a consultancy. It's, the other way around, you build a consultancy and my marketing page looks like it's a SaaS business. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's kind of the beauty of a, of a productized service. I'm just curious, like personally for, for you, was this um, a personal choice where you, where you just wanted to just focus as a solo you know, business owner running your operation solo without automating you know, anything or, or outsourcing any of the work? Or is that something that you plan to do down the line or, or how does that work? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love running a one person business and I'm, um, I don't know if I'm bad at delegation because I'm so fearful of it that it never comes up. <laughs> and uh, so I just don't do it. And I, I try and do everything in house in a way that I have view of the entire operation. And for other people, yeah, you can outsource things like totally do that. Um, Hire a VA for intake if you need to. Uh, hire other designers to execute on your work if you need to, if it blows up a lot. Um, but everybody asked me this question about like, well, you could hire like four designers and then just delegate out A-B tests, but really what they're paying for in the situation with productized consulting is access to me. Mm -hmm. They want my ideas and my beliefs and my opinions, and that is a finite resource. Um, and it's why I take on only six or seven clients and develop these long-term relationships with them. Um, I also like doing that a lot. I really like being able to bring value to somebody's business every month for a year. And uh, when I'm working at a typical interaction design project and we're signing a statement of work and doing all this, I work with you for six weeks and then I follow up and then what? Like, right. it, it doesn't... It's not, I love, get, I love solving those kinds of problems, but it's a very different type of situation. So. Yeah, you know, I, I really like that answer because what I've been writing about when it comes to productized services is that it can be designed to run with or without you. And, you know, I mean, I, in my business, I've, I've been focusing on systems and automation and delegating and, and trying to build a business that does run without me. It largely does, not 100%, but almost there. And I, a lot of others do. But then, but then kind of on the other side of the coin is someone like yourself who chooses to focus on the craft that you love doing, you know, working with just a handful of clients because that's, that's the kind of interaction that, that you like working with on a monthly basis. And so mm -hmm. you've designed your service around, around those goals. And I, and I think that's, that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, and um, cool. So, you know, another thing that I'm wondering here is, 
you know, the give and take between a productized service, which has this set scope of deliverables versus typically what a freelancer or an agency would do where they have things like scope creep and, and different requests come up and, cha and change orders and, and whatnot. Is what you do kind of like set in stone? Like what happens four or five months into a relationship with a client and they, for some reason, have a huge increase in um, demands of your services? Does that happen? Or like, how do you deal with that kind of thing? Oh yeah, it totally happens. So it happens on kind of two different fronts, right? There's more A-B tests and more ideas. And usually that happens after I have like a couple of successful A-B tests and a lot of big wins because they're just, they just get greedy and they're like more, 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 more. And they want a lot out of it, um, which is funny. And uh, I've learned to anticipate it, but uh, the, so there's more A-B tests, but there's also more just general interaction design work. Like I was at a bar with one of my clients at one point, like he flew into Chicago and uh, we were sitting there. He's like, you know, our homepage doesn't look very good. And I'm like, you know what? I agree. Your homepage is kind of a mess and it hasn't scaled elegantly. It used to look good, but now you have like 10,000 articles and you, you used to have only 200. Um, they're like a, a tech blog. And uh, like, do you know any interaction designers or information architects that would be able to, uh, you know, tackle wireframing out the homepage? And I'm like, yeah, I know a guy. I'll, I'll email intro you. Like, <laughs> so I ended up scoping in another set of work and, uh, doing this in, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with A-B testing. It has everything to do with me wireframing it. But then I wireframe it, build it out, and A-B test it against the original. And then I have a, a different, you know, lever that I can pull. And uh, we end up scoping that into the engagement. It's amazing. So, um, you know. So, so you would still do these kind of like add-on projects, like on top oh, of the, totally. the normal retainer. But I'll charge them for it. Sure. I mean, yeah, the the rule, the takeaway here is don't close yourself off to more work. My God, it's more work. And with a proven client that likes you, like they're trying to take on more work, but write another contract and get everything locked in stone because uh, you don't want to do that on a handshake and you don't want to like sidle them with a charge at the end of the engagement and then they get frustrated and you get lawyers involved and it's sad and rough, but yeah. like... And, yeah, and total, and like what you just said, that the key benefit here is that this is someone in, someone that you've been working with. You, I mean, you met up with him in a bar. Like you already knew him or, or her, and, and you know yeah. you have a previous working relationship. So that right there tells you, okay, this is going to be a good project. I I know it is. I've been working with them. Whereas it's easy to take on a you know a highly lucrative client project with with a stranger, and then all of a sudden get sucked into months of a black hole being pulled into a, a client from hell kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, so uh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you, how you do pricing with draft revise. I, I know you, you discussed a little bit how you vary between, you know, mom and pop businesses and, and larger companies. Um, I, I mean, would you be willing to share some of the, the price points with us here or? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, I've been public about a lot of, points. Um, when I launched Draft Revise, it was at $650 a month. And just to keep clear, this was with a three-month initial outlay. So you would have to pay $1950 at that point. Um, and then $650 after that. Um, I raised it to $800 and then $1000 and then $1500. Uh, the highest client I have right now is at $2000 and I still have two clients at $650. Um, so, I mean, people, and I've won at 800 and two at 1500. So like there, there are people all over the, the map right now, the annual recur or not the uh, monthly recurring revenue of draft revise is at something like 7,100. 
Right I believe something like that. Yeah. And that's just draft revised. That's not express. That's not uh, cadence. That's nothing. No other activities in draft. Cool. That covers all of my business expenses and payroll. So um, I, everything beyond that is gravy. It's just all profit. Fair enough. I mean, when is, you say payroll, that's that's you, right? <laughs> that's me. Okay. I'm on pay. I'm on, I take a salary right. for like booze and food. Sure. Um, and like personal stuff. But yeah. Right. So um, yeah. So that's the. Um, and- well, so what are like the terms there? You, you said that you, you always require three months paid up front and then, and then you kind of go from there. Is, is it from there? Is it like month to month or yeah, six month, month to- a year contract or anything like that? I have a Stripe plan set up where I effectively charge you for 3x the monthly rate up front and then give you a 90-day trial. That's how they have it configured. And uh, after those 90 days, it just starts charging you every month. Um, about two weeks prior to that, we kind of have a go-no-go conversation. So speaking to your you know, client black hole of insanity, um, if I don't like you, then we pause the engagement. And we, we you know, that's the nice way of saying we're never working together again. So, yeah. Gotcha. And so that that was kind of my next question. You are using Stripe to, to charge all of your clients. So is it like automated um, that way? Do, yep. you, do you ever have to deal with, um, I guess, again, like comparing to uh, my, my days when I was freelancing, you know, chasing down checks that, that arrive late or never arrive at all and, and things like that. I mean, you're, you're very much billing more like a product, right? Uh, but it's, it's still consulting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything goes through Stripe. Um, I've never had to deal with chargebacks. You have to pay me before I do anything for you. So you pay me. I set up Basecamp and Visual Website Optimizer and enter you into my spreadsheet. You really don't exist in my system until I have your money. Um, I've never had to deal with a card decline later. Um, One nice thing of only having seven customers in my system is I actually set up Google Calendar reminders for dunning emails. Um, And I can just do that myself and I have it all automated. so uh, there's that. Uh, and I don't really have to think about like, oh, you changed your card. Okay, well, this is the stupidest, most manual part of it. I don't have a way for you to edit your cards. So you just call me on Skype and I type in the number on Stripe. Right. And I've never had a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, we have a form on my site, Restaurant Engine, we have a form to, to log in and update your billing. But like more than half the time, yeah, we basically just have to get on the phone with our customers and update it over the phone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's dumb, but it's something that happens like once every two years for most of these people, or they like get a new company car and they get fancier or something and whatever. Right. That's you not know, a huge deal. The other thing that I like to kind of talk about when it comes to pricing of productized services is that it often takes the haggling out of the equation, right? When, when you're so upfront yeah. with the price tag and also the terms and like, look, this is what it is, take it or leave it. I mean, have you found that with draft revise or, or is there kind of a give and take in, in, the, in the beginning when you're bringing on a new client, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's 1500. Uh, can we do it for 1200? Do you deal with that kind of thing? Um, so I'm going to flip the script on this question a little bit because I think that, um, by the time I present the price, essentially, I've already handled as many potential objections as you're going to have. And if you want it to do 1200 then we're going to have a broader conversation about whether you're serious about the engagement. Right. What happens prior to all of this is 
I get inside your business as much as I possibly can without you actually paying me. So I ask you for your monthly recurring revenue uh, if you're a SaaS business. I ask for your, you know, your run rate if you're, uh, and and you know, all of this is confidential and all that. But like, I know how many hits you have, so I know roughly how long a test is going to take, give or take. Um, so I know a lot of the metrics about your business and I can say, okay, well, if I'm going to give you a 2% improvement in your conversion rate, it's going to net out to this much increased revenue. Um, if draft revise isn't a no brainer at the price that I've quoted at that point, it's probably my fault. Um, if, you know, if I can say I'm going to make you another $20,000 a month within three months of the engagement, and that's like a low estimate, like a conservative estimate, and I quote $2,000 a month for you and you flinch, right. then you're just penny pinching. Like it's an investment and it's an obvious investment. Like it's something that, oh, I get to like work with this really cool guy who presumably has a lot of charisma and is articulate at what he does. And I do that for like three hours a month and he makes me money hand over fist. And if that's not a no brainer for you at that point, I don't know what more it's, it's either my fault and I need to retool the way that I'm selling it or we shouldn't be working together. Yep. Just full stop. Exactly. Well said. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, let's kind of rewind a little bit and, um, where, so, you know, where do you come from? Like what kind of background in, in terms of like work and, and services, what have you done before you came out with draft revised? Were you always kind of doing UI design or were you doing it solo as a freelancer? Do you used to work at a company? Have, you know, where does this um, go back? It all, it, it goes back to the womb. No, um, <laughs> it goes back to, I started when I got out of college in or grad school in 2006, um, I started out as an HTML developer and I did front end just HTML, CSS, trench warfare with Internet Explorer, etc. Uh, dating myself <laughs> there. The fix, fix an IE6. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. IE6. That just uh, brought back nightmares. Yeah, riding the bomb down. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and I did that, but I always wanted to do interaction design and UX stuff, but it was at 2006 kind of difficult to break into that. Um, I wrote Cadence and Slang before having my first UX gig, which is normally not the order that you go in, um, and it's moderately insane and I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, I wrote Cadence and Slang, started getting UX gigs, and just did interaction design, did wireframes, and um, that is the thing I remain best at. I. Uh, I'm good at A-B testing to the point where I can make you a lot of money. Um, and it's probably the most lucrative part of my business right now, but holy hell, I love making wireframes. And I love making prototypes and doing layout and behavior and talking about it. Um, and uh, so I, I did that uh, starting in agencies. Uh, I went freelance at one point, which was an unfettered disaster, went back to agencies. Um, ran a UX practice at a small ad agency for a year or two, and then uh, moved on to being an underling at a really amazing UX agency uh, for another year or two, and then uh, started draft. Gosh, now it's been two and a half years. Um, so you and, kind of went from full-time employment straight to doing draft revise? So I've been in Draft for two and a half years, and that is the name of my company. And Draft Revise, I launched oh, about okay. a year ago. So I was doing one in Draft. I, the thing I've done the most is one-off 
UX engagements, putting together prototypes, IA content strategy, gotcha. digital strategy for people. And um, Draft Revise came about, uh, I take a one month intermission from client work every year. Um, and uh, you're in the smack middle of that right now when we're having this conversation. It's always in the summer so that I can go to the lake and hang out and like not have to worry about stuff. But I spent my time doing biz dev, and uh, last year I edited the second edition of Cadence and Slang and wrapped up a quarterly journal I was working on and um, put together that e-commerce system that I talked about and did everything in Stripe. And uh, I ended up with a week to spare, and I was wondering, well, what do I do now? Well, uh, okay. Um, what can I do that I could potentially turn into like a, an actual product service that, that could actually like fit my consulting offerings? Um, I saw like Copy Hackers was doing like site teardowns and like video teardowns, and that was super cool. And I remembered 37 Signals did an express service at the end of the 90s that led into their making Basecamp, and they would just tear down a page for $2,000. I'm like, $2,000 is like, man, I can go to like Jongbu and like get like Korean food for a month. That's amazing. <laughs> like probably more than a month and like right. handle my rent and like do everything off of one of these. <laughs> and, uh, and I was thinking, okay, well, what can I do? That's like a monthly service that what are, what are the Venn diagram of monthly services that people will pay me for and interaction design engagements. Right. Um, well, actually let me, let me ask you, I mean, at that point, were you doing any sort of monthly retainer type services or was it always kind of one-off product uh, projects up until that point? What kinds of projects did I do? I'm sorry. Uh, up until that point, when you're putting together the idea for Draft Revise, were you, had you been doing any kind of uh, monthly retainer services? Or, yeah. or up till then, it was all kind of project to project? Flopping around, had no idea what I did. It was project to project. And project. I, I kept thinking about doing like monthly retainer stuff. But the thing I really love to do, which is wireframes, doesn't work well for a monthly retainer. The whole thing is a... It's a holistic package. Like I can't just do your homepage and be like, stay tuned for the landing page right. next month. And no, that's not <laughs> how it works. It's preposterous to think that way. So um, I decided on A-B testing because I was also starting to get frustrated with like working as a UX designer. You, If it goes right and a project is scoped correctly, you're in at the beginning of the project. You're doing the planning, the strategy. Um, and I love doing that, but... Uh, you know, after that point, you shake your hands, say goodbye, and there's nothing else to say about it. And uh, I wanted to follow through with my clients. So when I was putting together a marketing page for Draft Revise about a week before it launched, uh, I sent it off to all of my clients from the past year. I was like, you know, just tell me what you think about this. You know, you don't have to sign up for it. There's, this is not a sales call, but you know me really, really well. And I know you really, really well. And I just wanted, you know, would you buy it? Would you recommend it to others? Do you think it's compelling? Do you like anything about it? And it was an unfettered disaster. They hated it. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. Two days later, I launched and it blew up on the internet. Huh. So, wow. So, so I mean, you, you, so you kind of took a week, wrote up this landing page, described, you know, the ideal service, you know, what you'd like to offer. It had, it, you know, in, in your eyes, it clearly has value. And I, I th yeah. of course, it has proven its value. So, so your first step was to launch that. So yeah, I mean, like, let's, right now let's kind of get into how you market this thing, how you got your first clients, first customers yeah. on Draft Revise. So you, your first step was to send it out to your past clients and get their feedback. And I guess the thinking there is like, well, they've already done a project with you. They don't have the burning need for this type of AB service. 
yeah, we have a professional relationship, but they don't need A-B testing every month. The people I've come to realize that the people that want me for interaction design work don't want me for A-B testing. That's completely fine. Right. Um, and that it's, was the reason two different types of customers. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I sent it out to a bunch of colleagues, like friends that were designers. And I was like, can you just pick this apart? Because I need critique. And holy hell, they loved it. Um, they all really, really liked it. And one of them was Brendan Dunn. Um, he uh, is a fellow bootstrapper who has an enormous audience. I sent it out like the Thursday before it launched. Um, and he was like, wow, this is great. Let me know when it launches. And Monday rolls around and it launches. And I email him. He's like, OK, great. Tuesday, he um, wrote on Freelancers Weekly, I want you to be more like Nick. Here is Nick's offering. Here's everything that he does. Holy crap, he positions everything so amazingly well. And, uh, you know, this is an amazing model for a business. Um, yeah, so two days later that Thursday, Patrick McKenzie wrote about me and did a 4,000 word teardown on my marketing page. Um, and uh, then my server crashed. And the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. No, I filled up every slot within a week. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, so I wrote about all of this. I have a huge blog post that summarizes the first year of Draft Revise, which, uh, kind listener, I strongly recommend you take a look at it, blog.nickd.org. Um, and this covers everything that, that happened in that first month. Um, essentially, the, the short of it was I had a panic attack that lasted for two months and had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. So, yeah, I mean, like, tell me about that first week after you, after all this craziness happens on the internet, your, your stuff is kind of covered by Brennan Dunn and, and Patio 11. And so yeah. where, so, you, you know, you book your slot solid. Is that like seven paying clients in, in the first week? I booked eight and I told everybody initially it was going to be 10. Uh, and I, I eventually got 10, but I realized that uh, I've spread too thin at 10. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. I paired it back to seven and charged more so I can serve everybody as well as I can. Um, and Onboarding a client takes an enormous amount of energy out of me. I can't do more than like one or two in a month. Like gotcha. it's so, just, so I mean, yeah. like at, at this point, you've been doing it for over a year. I'm sure you've got your processes kind of well honed and refined and everything. But what was that first month like? You, you book yourself solid. You got like eight, ten of your first clients. All you've done up to this point is write a landing page about this new service. So was it was it just craziness in that in the first couple of weeks of like? It was insanity. I slept maybe six hours in the first two weeks. I mean, combined. I, I can't. I mean, what was? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, A/B testing. You had been doing wireframes and interaction design and and, and UX and, and all that. I mean, had you done uh, much of like A/B testing, return on investment type of work before before launching Draft Revise? So I, I had not done anything that quantitatively tied what I did to results. It was more Nick works magic and then sales quintuple. Um, and so I get testimonials from people and I can like justify the ROI, but um, I don't know the magnitude and I don't know the, the time frame. Uh, with A-B testing, you know both of those things very immediately. So, uh, and you know the confidence interval, so you can actually predict things and use statistics to your advantage, which is amazing. Um, but, uh, I had not done any of that prior. No. So how did you kind of, um, I mean, did you do some sort of like guarantee of, of the value return on investment? Like what if they don't see results after a month or after three months or, you know, oh, if, if I'm not generating value for you after three months, uh, we're definitely parting ways. I'm possibly refunding you. There's no question. 
Um, I don't think that I should be wasting your time. I don't, it, by that point, it should be a well-oiled machine for us. I mean, I shouldn't be running into any bugs on the A-B testing. And, um, and I've done that a couple of times. Like I'll say like, you know, I'm not making money for you. We're done. Like this is a mummer, but you know, we learned something out of all of this and, uh, we learned something out of potentially running an A-B testing practice. Um, there will be sites that get a lot of traffic, but it's already like qualified converted traffic. So I don't have anybody to sell to. And I don't find that out until I actually start testing. And then I realize that 98% of people coming in are logging in. Right. So. Huh. Interesting. So, um, you know, past that first month, like how did things change or improve or how did you refine the service as, as the, the first year went on? Um, well, uh, as mentioned, it was completely slapdash. I barely had terms and conditions together. I, uh, my fun story, my lawyers closed up shop two weeks before draft revise launched. And when I emailed them, they were like, we're out of business. I was like, <laughs> what? So I, I had to find lawyers, retain them, and then ask them to write terms and conditions for draft revise within the span of about two days, which wow. thank God, oh my God, they have a customer for life at this point. They're amazing. Um, but that happened. And like, I didn't have anything together. I really didn't. Um, I barely had a relationship with VWO at that point, And I had to like ping them about getting a, a agency plan and getting everything together. So um, the things that changed were I actually got all of my stuff together. Um, over the first month, I refined the reporting on it a lot, and I asked for a lot of feedback and uh, figured out a lot of the like pitfalls that can happen. Basically, everything that could go wrong in the first month did. Um, I mean, what was what's an example of one thing that you had assumed would be a, a key part of the service and maybe didn't turn out to be as important to to customers as you thought, or the flip side, like something that they were asking for that you didn't anticipate. Some clients have wanted different reports and different formats for the reports they want varying things some of them really like the the very prim like one-off pdf that they get every time uh, some people just want me to write really long base camp posts and i have to ask them um uh, there was one person who demanded markdown and i wrongly assumed everybody wanted markdown not everybody wants markdown they're not neckbeards like me um it's the fastest for me to write but yeah so i mean it's the reporting has been the one big thing but uh there's a like kind of a bimodal distribution in how hands-on you are. Some people are just like, yep, great. Other people are like getting they're they're like getting on a Skype call and whiteboarding behind the camera and like talking with me through it and like wow. and that's I love both of those approaches, but it's very different personalities and very different cultures. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so so beyond draft revise, we also have draft. Uh, uh, Revise Express, it's called. That's right. right. So how how did that come about? Did, I mean, that came about later on, right? Oh yeah, the Revise Express only came out two months ago. So uh, when I write, when I start working with you for Draft Revise, one of the first things I do is I write an enormous teardown of your entire marketing site, and that allows me to uh, impress the heck out of you within a week and provide you with my perspective on things. So it also kind of vets whether we would still be a good fit together. I've had, if you rebel against the first report, we should not be working together. Thank God that has never happened, but you know, right. it's, a, it's another bromide and it's the first deliverable you get from me. And a lot of people will be like, oh wow, this is great. I would pay like a thousand dollars for this report alone. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you know, good. 
So uh, now I just sell one-off reports for a discount, 10% discount, $900. And uh, you can buy them from my site by hitting a button and giving me your credit card information and filling out a questionnaire in that order. And uh, uh, they've, sold, they've sold pretty well. Um, it takes me about a week to put one together. I print out your stuff, mark up screenshots, and write up uh, typically about 5,000 words on what you need to be doing. And I also write like an A-B testing how-to guide uh, that goes out to everybody, and it teaches you how to put these into practice, what to be testing first, and how to be actually handling all this stuff. Um, so far, everybody that's gotten the reports has been uh, very responsive and very helpful in providing feedback. And uh, they, I think it's provided a good ROI for them, although it's only been two months. So uh, what I've put together, which you don't know about as a customer of Revise Express, is a one-year accountability system where I email you constantly, well, I don't constantly, but like I email you periodically and ask you how things are going. And if you aren't putting together A-B tests or... Uh, if you're not getting ROI from the A-B tests, then we'll talk about potential refunds because that's on the table. That's still on the table. Or that, that um, kind of keeps you in constant contact with those customers. They can potentially become customers of Draft Revise. Yeah, that's what happens. So uh, I will email you three months out and uh, I'll be like, so how are things going? How, how have your tests been going? And they'll be like, oh, Nick D, we're so swamped. We don't have anything to do. We, we haven't done any tests. We haven't even signed up for Optimizely yet. Please come in and help us. And I'll be like, great. Right. I will come in and help you right now. And uh, I deduct that from your draft revised fees. I don't want you to pay twice. We already have a plan together, and we're going to start testing, like now. That, that's awesome. And, I mean, that's, that's really the key behind a productized service like this is that it's, it's done for you. you right. know, um, part of the, the, the value is that you're saving them the time of doing it themselves or for them to even, like, figure out how to do it themselves. You know, like thinking about, like, software versus you know, building software versus building a productized service. Mm -hmm. Software is typically like, here's a tool, now you go do it yourself. And um, so that's, that's really interesting. And I really like what you've done, again, with uh, product, with uh, Revise Express. Again, you're kind of like defining the scope as something that you personally want to be doing on, on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever it is, and um, something that provides clear value, can be useful. Yeah. And, you know, you're not in this conversation of like haggling between oh, you know, we want to add A, B, and C. Let, let's, let's tweak the scope to be that. Or, or sure, I could do logo, logo design or all these other random services. But you do one thing, one thing really well. Or, you know, a couple different things, actually. But um, just really awesome what, what you're doing here. So, mm -hmm. our, so back to kind of uh, draft revise and marketing. In the, in the very beginning, you were booked solid thanks to, you know, Brennan Dunn and, and uh, Patrick McKenzie and... and how are you going about marketing today? I mean, it, it looks like Draft Revise is constantly booked up, right? I mean, like, how does that work today? I really just post that another slot is available and famous people on the internet retweet it so much that it fills up within a week. I haven't, I have the most terrible marketing advice for everyone, which is funny because I edit your marketing page, but for Draft Revise, like, I get famous people to post about it. I don't know. Like, it just... Well, tell me about that for a second. I mean, since you've been doing Draft Revise, that has gotten a lot of attention. But do you personally have a pretty large audience? Or how, how do you get uh, this kind of recognition? So um, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have noticed that my Twitter has just turned into a link blog. Um, 
Others have called it garbage. Um, <laughs> I don't really do much on it. I have stopped really paying attention to social media. Uh, I have a mailing list, but I deliberately don't look at the metrics behind it because uh, I think I would get incredibly petrified at what happens. Um, the only metric I do know is the reply rate, and uh, that's in the hundreds every time I send out an email. So I suspect I've built a really large audience on that. Um, I write a letter to people every Monday, and it's the world's stupidest mailing list. Um, I wrote 1,600 words about a sandwich uh, last month that were well-received. Um, if you are looking for hard business advice or actionable value, um, I would like you to... Uh, unsubscribe from my mailing list and subscribe <laughs> to Paul Jarvis or Remin Dunn or Patrick McKenzie or people who are actually helping you. Um, <laughs> Very nice. So uh, my marketing strategy, um, what's the technical term for it? It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I have well, no idea what I'm doing. But I mean like, okay, so like new customers who, who grab one of those open slots whenever they do open up, uh, do those typically come as a result of a tweet, a tweet from Brennan Dunn or... Or are they people who've been following you for a while or been on, is there a, there's a waiting list to get on when it's all closed up or? Uh, yeah, well, you can still apply. Like, well, the, all slots are full as of today when we're talking, um, but uh, you can still apply. I'll just email you right when a slot opens up and I'll do that before I send it out to the unwashed masses. And sometimes like maybe 50-50, people will be like, oh yeah, we're ready. We've been ready for like three months. Where have you been? Um, <laughs> Very and cool. uh, but uh, I have no idea. I don't look at the, the thing about Twitter. It's all like a numbers game, and it's all like trying to see how many people and cool people and famous people are at replying you. So I really just don't look at it. Maybe yeah. Brennan Dunn retweets me every time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, you know, Nick, this this has been great. I, I I certainly learned a lot more about kind of behind the scenes what what you've been up to. I think uh, the folks here will will get a lot out of it. So. Um, you know, really appreciate it. Uh, where can people kind of uh, reach out to you? What's the best way to connect? Um, so my personal site is at nickd.org. Um, don't at reply me on Twitter. Just email me. I'm nickd at nickd.org on there. I am very responsive on email. Usually turn everything around in a day. I'm at inbox four right now. So uh, I'm really good at email. Um, so you me. can email me there. Um, and, uh, uh, draft.nu is my business's site and you can take a look at all my offerings there. And I think that cadence.cc is my book. If you want to read about interaction design and I pack and ship every single book myself, if you turned this camera around right now, you would see 2000 books in the printer. So awesome. there you go. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Nick, thanks again. And it's been great. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in today. Get all the show notes for this entire season at productizepodcast.com. And to get my free Productize Crash Course, where I share my best strategies for launching and sustaining your productized service business, head over to productizecourse.com. All right, time to get back to working on the business. <laughs>